Hello and welcome again to Ask the Doc, Life Lessons You Should Have Been Taught in School. Hi, I'm Dr. Tony Vasillo, your host. This is episode 11, and this week I'm going to focus my attention on vacation and rental property ownership. Give you some of the pros and cons, talk about some of the upsides, some of the downsides, and some things you should really consider before getting into this whole concept of owning real estate outside of your primary home. As I've discussed numerous times in other episodes, the key to financial success is always going to be figuring out how to make passive income, how to have side hustles to make money while you sleep. And one of those ways is clearly through rental property ownership. At one point in my career, I owned 30 properties in in Las Vegas uh, during the 2000 to 2005 era, and it was a wonderful time. Made a ton of money, a lot of write-offs. Uh, had some beautiful places to stay there. So it's a pretty good passive income type of uh, initiative. All right. Now, in this episode, I'm going to dis- also dismiss many of the myths and then reinforce many of the truths associated with this kind of side hustle. As I do in every single episode, I'm going to start with a success tip, followed by a stock tip for you to think about. And then I'll eventually get into the whole concept of vacation and rental property ownership. The success tip for this week dates back to 1817 when Robert Owen formulated the eight-hour workday. He called for eight hours of work followed by eight hours of recreation followed by eight hours of rest. This led to the entrepreneur and author Michael Simmons to develop what's called the eight plus eight plus eight rule. This rule calls for eight hours of sleep. Why? Because sleep boosts your cognitive performance and also your creativity. Followed by eight hours a day focused on self-care and family and friends, followed by eight hours of work. The best way to use this eight plus eight plus eight rule is as follows. One, plan your day the night before. I always plan my following day, the evening before, set up my to-do list, set up my priorities for the day, and go from there. Two, plan two hours of distractions and interruptions into your day. One of the real downsides of people who do not understand time management is the idea of planning every minute of their day and not allowing for distractions. That's a mistake. I get interrupted all day long, but it doesn't affect my to-do list because I've planned the two hours of distractions into my day. If I don't get those distractions, I get more done. Pretty easy. Number three, dedicate the first three hours of work when you're at your peak to the most complex tasks. Number four, take breaks throughout the day to reinvigorate, to recharge yourself, because sitting at the computer all day sometimes wreaks havoc on both your mental state and your brain. Number five, keep an ongoing to-do list that gets constantly updated using what's called the ABCD priority setting method. A is most important, while D items can wait. I have been using the eight plus eight plus eight method or rule successfully for about 20 years. It really does help you with time management. So it's all about planning your day. All right, let's get next get into the stock pick of the week. The stock pick for this week is Coca-Cola, which trades at the symbol KO on New York Stock Exchange, has a market cap of $262 billion, has a fairly high P.E. ratio, price earnings ratio of 24, which I do recognize is considered high. And it also has a dividend payout of 3%. The stock has gone from $45 a share back in 2019 to $60 a share today. 70% of fund managers recommend Coca-Cola as a strong buy or minimally a hold. The five-year growth rate forecast for Coca-Cola is estimated to be a little bit more than 6% each and every year going forward. 
This is a great long-term play. You can't miss with the Coca-Cola stock. I've owned it for years. Okay, finally, let's talk about vacation and rental property ownership. I might add that in the secret episode attached to this session, I provide you with a list of actual professionals to call to help you with this, including lenders, banks, real estate agents, attorneys, and even a CPA. I also include in the secret episode a list of the best books and property ownership manuals that you could buy. So take a look at the secret episode on Patreon. To get started in property ownership, you should first answer the following 12 questions. One, do you have the right mindset for being a landlord? If you think this is an easy gig, pick up some tennis or something because it's not. It's a very, very difficult, arduous type type of job. So make sure you go in with the right mindset. Two, do you have access to handymen, plumbers, electricians, etc.? Or do you even consider yourself, relatively speaking, handy so you could do a lot of repairs? Before you get into the rental ownership, you better start understanding the maintenance and the upkeep of the house. Three, you have an excellent CPA who is well-versed in real estate ownership and tax law. Four, do you have a great real estate attorney? Don't get into this without a great CPA and a great attorney. They will be help you immeasurably. Number five, are you willing to develop a formal rental property manual? In the secret episode, I give you the template to use and where to go to get one so you could develop a welcome manual for your renters. Six, do you have access to an entity such as an LLC as it's always better to place real estate into an entity for liability protection. In fact, if you have the money, you should actually create a family trust and put all your assets, including any of your rental properties, within the trust to protect you from probate and from future tax problems with your generational wealth for your children, etc. So make sure you get some advice from an attorney or a CPA on this. <clears throat> Number seven, do you know how to handle rowdy tenants or even deadbeats that don't pay? It's going to be an important thing. If you don't know how to deal with confrontation and conflict, don't get into this. Number eight, do you know how to conduct formal background and credit checks on prospective renters? You have to do that because you don't want to get yourself a serial killer or somebody who has horrible credit doesn't pay his or her bills. Number nine, is your town zoned for vacation rentals? Make sure you check the local laws on the Department of Revenue and or the tax assessor's website in your local county to make sure you have no zoning issues with vacation rentals. Number 10, have you researched the tax laws such as rental use tax? Some states have a rental use tax. Some states require the health and safety board to go out there and check your property and you have to submit quarterly reports and you have to, you're subject to an inspection. So make sure you understand the local laws. Number 11, are you willing to hire a property manager when it makes sense? When I had 30 properties in Las Vegas, I also had a couple in California, a couple in Montana, um, when I had all those properties, I had to use a property manager, just couldn't get to it myself. It was virtually impossible to be in 30 places at once. And finally, number 12, are you willing to develop a five-year real estate investing plan? It's important that you document this stuff and you think about how many total properties you want to own, how much rental income do you, are you wishing to get, maybe in year three or year four, What's going to be your exit strategy? How are you going to deal with recapturing your appreciation and some of the capital gains issues? That's why you need a critical, critical that you need a CPA and an attorney. If you answered yes to the majority of these questions, you probably have the temperament to be a landlord. As an aside, as I mentioned earlier, I own 30 rental properties. 
back in 2004, prior to the 2008 crash. It was both a wonderful experience and horrible at the same time. You know, the financial side was great, but dealing with renters in the middle of the night who wanted to you know, have me bring them candles or had a clogged toilet <clears throat> really wrecks your day. So again, open your eyes and make sure you're going into this understanding what you're getting into. To prepare for rental ownership, make sure you pay down any credit cards or other debts you have to bolster your FICO score before you do this. If you don't have a FICO score of about 680, don't bother doing this because you're going to overpay for closing costs and overpay for mortgage rates. So pay attention to your FICO score. This property strategy does work best when it's a buy and hold. So when you're getting into property ownership, it is typically important that you're willing to keep the properties for five to 10 years so you make sure you get the benefit of the depreciation. Um, Some people think flipping properties is the way to go. I think it's too much work personally. There's too many tax implications to it and it requires a whole lot of my personal time So that doesn't work for me, so I don't usually recommend it to people in my sphere of influence. Um, You should also be saving money for a down payment, although I like to use OPM, other people's money, as often as I can by getting builders to kick in or the sellers to kick in for the closing cost and getting the mortgage company to kick in for a zero-cost loan. So I do as much as I can with other people's money before I use my own. Okay, to be successful at owning vacation or rental property, you need to basically abide by these 20 tenants. So, one, do your research. Check out the surrounding neighborhood um, as the location is going to determine your vacancy rate and the types of tenants that you're going to attract in your given area. Look for bargains that are selling at least 10% below the average selling price, price in the given zip code. Remember, in real estate, it's all about location, location, location. In addition, be sure to only buy what you could afford. I always recommend to people just jumping into real estate, buy properties between $150,000 and $200,000 when you get started. The downside risk of owning those properties during a housing bubble or burst is not going to kill you. It might go from $150,000 to $130,000. When you buy $800,000 properties, million-dollar properties, the downside risk is dramatic. During the crash of 2008, the properties in Las Vegas that I alluded to earlier lost more than a million dollars worth of value, actually about a million and a half dollars worth of value. So you really want to buy less expensive properties when you first get into this. Number two, start with three-bedroom, two-bath, single-family homes. They have the best resale value. That's what families want. And that's what most people want. They want two bathrooms and they want to have at least a minimum of two bedrooms. You also want to consider parking. A garage does help a lot. Um, It's critical that when you choose these homes that you choose the right inspection company, as I alluded to. Make sure you're there for the inspection and make sure you do a deep dive look at plumbing, electrical, the roof, the heating and AC unit. In fact, if I were you, I would get contractors, not just the home inspector that is typically hired by the mortgage company, you want to get your own inspectors to go in there and check those most critical aspects of home ownership. Okay, number three, when you settle on a given area, be sure to check for access to freeways, schools, parks, gyms, restaurants, access to public transportation, access to shopping, convenience stores, and finally access to hospitals fire, and police. 
I am always miffed when somebody buys a home and then they complain to me three months later that there's no access to freeways or there's no access to shopping, there's no access to schools. Well, then why did you move there? I mean, it's really that simple. Have a checklist in front of you when you go buy a home and literally check off the boxes. Access to freeway, yes or no. Access to schools, yes or no. And make sure that you're buying in an area that has access to all these things because these amenities are what renters want. Four, research the crime statistics in your area along with the makeup of the demographics to see if you feel comfortable culturally moving into that given area. Why would you want to move into an area that has very high crime statistics? Don't do it. So do the research. Number five, research the taxes and fees such as property tax, homeowners uh, homeowners fees, homeowners insurance, the job market in the area, and the unemployment in the area. It's really important that you understand these key statistics so that you understand what you're getting yourself into. If you buy a property in New York or New Jersey, for example, the property taxes are so high that you're looking at $1,000 a month just for property taxes. So, and that's, and that's minimal, you know. So be careful with that. Number six, research the occupancy rate and average rent in the given area so you know you can rent your property to develop positive cash flow. In fact, don't buy anything unless it has positive cash flow. If all your costs all in, including everything, is $800 a month, rent it for $1,000 a month, have some positive cash flow, and go from there. Um, Develop a budget for the property, and be sure to budget 10% for unforeseen events. Okay, Keep extensive records and documentation. That is the only way to protect yourself against an IRS audit. I have been audited twice by the IRS and twice by the state of California. It was miserable. They didn't find anything. Cost me $7,500 for each of these darn audits. But because I had the right documentation and a copious set of notes and records, they didn't find anything. I didn't have to pay anything other than from my CPA and my attorney to help me with the deal. Okay. Research natural disasters that may occur in a given area. Uh, Are you going to require flood insurance? Do you need earthquake insurance or any additional fire insurance? One of my properties in Montana is in a fire area. Very difficult to get homeowners insurance, but I was able to get fire insurance there. Just took me a while to find the right company. So, you know, again, if you're buying a home, why would you buy something that's on an earthquake fault line, for example, in California? It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Number nine, consider renting to Section 8 or even MERA. MERA is Rental Assistance Program. They have one in Montana and a few other states. Section 8 is low-income and government-paid housing. And sometimes if you own these properties that are $150,000 to $200,000 and you can rent them for $1,000 a month, the government pays you like clockwork on the first of the month. You just have to make sure you stay on top of the condition of the home, the quality, the, um, the damage, and those kinds of things. Make sure you cover that with the agreement with the government as they'll cover you for damages for sure. Okay, number 10, can calculate the total cost of home ownership, including maintenance, pest and insect control, lawn care, snow plowing, landlord insurance, umbrella insurance. If you're wealthy, you better get um, umbrella insurance. If you have a lot to lose, again, have things within a trust or make sure you're protecting yourself from the future and from any and all liability and lawsuits. I can tell you the United States is highly litigious, and it's really important that you protect yourself. As I mentioned to you, I have a living trust, I have an entity, and everything that I do is protected 
inside these trusts and these other agreements that I had within the trust, plus the way I run my entity. So it's critical that you do that. Make sure that when you're calculating the total cost of home, home ownership, add an additional 10% for miscellaneous for things you might have missed. This is what gets you when you own properties is the unforeseen stuff. Number 11, place the home, as I alluded to, into an entity such as a single person LLC and run all the expenses for the property through a separate business bank account. In the secret episode, I discuss using a trust document to further shield you from lawsuits and liability. I even give you the name of an excellent attorney who could do the trust for you relatively inexpensively. Personally, as I mentioned, all my assets are in a trust and I also have a very large umbrella policy of $3 million to protect me if a tenant falls or does something stupid. And I assure you, they will. So make sure you have the appropriate uh, protection. Number 12, be sure to make a complete list of expenses you can write off against any rental income. Make sure you include all of the costs associated with starting up the entity or to develop the trust or mortgage interest, uh, taxes, maintenance, repairs, upgrades, additions, which all could be capitalized, a nice deduction for depreciation, which a CPA, CPA will calculate. And by the way, that is typically the purchase price of the home, less the value of the land, if any, divided by 27.5 years. That gives you the depreciation write-off that you could use as a non-cash deduction on your taxes, which is very, very critical when it comes to rental property ownership. And then any marketing, advertising, or even e-commerce expenses. Make sure you have a comprehensive list of everything you spent related to the rental property. That way you could use it for your taxes. Remember, when it comes to passive income, any income that you receive, you're allowed to offset with expenses as long as you are in active participation in this new business entity that is running the rental properties. Number 13, stay on top of the housing market trends and keep a close watch on inflation, interest rates, unemployment, and even housing permits. I have it on my computer. I call it up every week. I want to know what's going on with interest rates. I follow the feds. I watch them either raise or lower rates. I pay attention to inflation, unemployment, and even housing, new housing permits to see as new housing permits go up, that's going to tell you something about what's happening in the market. There seems to be, if the housing permits are increasing, there seems to be people think that there's going to be a lot of house buying, home buying going on. So you should do that. Okay. 14, at first, as I mentioned, stick to lower price single-family homes in the $150,000 to $250,000 range as they typically have less downside risk when the housing market crashes. Only buy positive cash flow properties, as I alluded to, by calculating all your operating costs and adding a small profit margin on top. 15, be wary of local Airbnb and short-term rental laws, as in some counties, you must rent for greater than 30 days. So be sure you're tied to the local county office to make sure you can do these rental uh, properties. A sidebar story is my son owns a property in Laughlin, Nevada, and the neighbors all complained he was renting it on Airbnb. They shut him down because the law doesn't allow for these short-term rentals there. So be careful. 16, build a solid team and keep a complete list of all the team members with their phone numbers, their addresses, and their email addresses. Include on this list handymen, electricians, AC heating people, plumbers, lawn care companies, your CPA, your attorney, your real estate agent, your mortgage lender. Have a comprehensive list and keep that available. 
Number 17, develop a great rental property tenant's manual. That's going to include a welcome message, an arrival and departure information, emergency numbers to call, house rules such as no smoking, no pets, all about the area, local attractions, the check-in and check-out procedure, and how to do parking. In the secret episode, I mentioned where to get the template to develop such a rental manual. It would be very, very helpful, and renters appreciate it when you go the extra mile to tell them what's going on in your particular area. 18, familiarize yourself with the IRS forms 8582, which is passive activity uh, loss limitations, and then the forms 4562 to report depreciation, and finally, Schedule E, Supplemental Income and Loss. Let me repeat those. Form 8582 for passive loss limitations, Form 4562 to report depreciation, and then Schedule E, Supplemental Income and Loss that gets tied to 1040, your Form 1040. Read them over and get familiar with any of the passive income laws and limitations. For example, the higher your income is, the more likely you can't write any stuff off. So be aware of that. You also can't use a rental property for more than 14 days. If you do, you're going to be restricted to what you can do in terms of writing things off. So understand the laws. Can't keep it. You can't rent it or use it for more than 14 days on your own. Um, There's another uh, law that's related to that. And then Again, you have to make 100% sure that you understand um, all of the limitations relative to your income. Number 19, forget about buying a timeshare. They're nothing but a ripoff. I don't know why people even bother. Go on vacation, save your money, forget timeshares. 20, be super careful when going into any partnership with someone. Some attorneys, some CPAs often recommend a real estate partnership to get into this. I can tell you unless it's a family member you trust or a friend who you've known for your whole life who you can trust, it leads to arguments. Be really careful using a partnership. I prefer you use an LLC or a formal corporate entity as opposed to just a partnership. For example, in a partnership, you both get the same tax write-off regardless of who puts the money in. So I don't like that as an entity. Okay, there's the 20 things you have to watch out for when owning real estate, particularly rental and vacation ownership. That's it for now. In the secret episode, I'm going to provide you with very specific books to read and people to connect with. With that, please leave me a review, comments, suggestions, and subscribe to my YouTube channel and become a family member of my Patreon channel. This is Dr. V signing off. And remember, taking action is the first step towards financial freedom. So get your butt off the couch and get a rocking. See you next week. 